So welcome to this episode of Finding Your Range podcast with me, Jeannie Devon. This is the podcast that looks at hypermobility, EDS and chronic pain. And today I'm delighted to be joined by our guest, Lorna Ryan. Um, so welcome, Lorna. Really nice to have you joining us today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, no, our pleasure. Um, I always, you know, so people give up their time to come and chat to us. And it's, um, I'm always so grateful. So thank you. Um, so those of you who don't know who um, Lorna is, um, I'm going to read you her bio. She's a nutritional therapy and lifestyle medicine practitioner, which is amazing. And I can't wait to hear um, what she's going to share with us. Um, but so Lorna is a registered nutritionist, nutritional therapy and lifestyle medicine practitioner, specializing in supporting those with hypermobility, so HEDS, HSD. She has a particular interest in gastrointestinal manifestations and autonomic involvement, an interest directed from her personal backstory of living with HEDS herself. As a clinician trained in clinical nutrition, lifestyle medicine and the functional medicine model, Lorna offers a distinctly personal and integrative approach to clients' health in her private practice clinic. She is committed to continuing research. She's a member of the International Consortium's Diet and Nutrition Working Group, and she's pursuing her PhD. Oh, I didn't know that. That's news to me. You'll have to tell us about that. Um, Lorna's passion for educating people outside clinical practice is embodied in her platform, House of Hypermobility, that's on Clubhouse, um, for those of you who don't know where that is, I'm sure we'll talk about that, um, which delivers nutrition and lifestyle information for adults with HEDS. Lorna is hugely grateful for her EDS colleagues and believes together we can achieve the highest level of support for those navigating hypermobility. Yes, absolutely. And I agree with that, that last comment, absolutely. Thank you, Lorna, oh, lots of interesting things there. Um, you can share with us. Fantastic. So um, you mentioned in the bio, um, obviously you have HEDS yourself. Um, tell us a little bit then about your story living with this condition. Yeah, sure. So it kind of goes back over a decade, maybe two decades ago. Um, you know, we are allowed to have other conditions as well as hypermobility. And I've actually got a genetic genetic. Um, uh, neurological disease and so for quite a long time a lot of my symptoms were put down to this uh, demyelinating neuropathy it's Shakamari tooth and I had a wonderful neurological team that said we are very flexible and we started looking into the crossovers of um, what I was then diagnosed with with a lot of GI dysfunction parts autonomic dysfunction etc etc and that yes. was really pivotal because as soon as I got the diagnosis and I was able to have more um, specialist support for the hypermobility, we realized that the two conditions were quite distinct and actually the neurological problems weren't so severe. So for me, a lot of my manifestations were gastric um, and POTS and obviously the two are very intertwined. So I had really, really great care, I must say, from my dietitian team and my gastroenterologists. However, I was on prescription drinks as meals for two to three, maybe a bit more years. And wow. I was going to have a, um, how do you say, I always get this wrong, um, jejunoscopy, where you have a JPEG feeding tube into the small intestines. Yes. Um, 
yeah and so for me that was my moment of going I want better than this and that's where I really started researching how to maybe support myself and not have a feeding tube so mm. it was almost a point in the sand of I really can't be living you know, like this quality of life yes. um, and so I worked really hard with all of my team under medical care to resolve these issues and then you know track however many years later, um, I'm eating a wonderful balanced diet, obviously have to be mindful, but that's really my backstory. Wow, gosh, that is a quite a story. So, and so how did that, how did you get from, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, but, you know, going from having that option of having to have a feeding tube, how long did that take, that journey personally for you, from that situation to where you feel you can, you know, eat a, a balanced diet? Yeah. So, you know, sitting in the ward with your it's gastroparietist, with your gastric failure nurse, my sister was with me, sitting there going through what the surgery will be and the actual tubes that will be in the port that will be inserted. Um, really wonderful discussion with my gastroenterologist and my dietitian team. And I was like, I just can't. And they were so kind and supportive in me trying to find another way. Of course, it's all about your health, though. So mm. what are your nutrients doing? What's your weight doing? But it was a good three and a half, four years. So it's a slow journey. There's lots of work to do. And it certainly was not going from that point just because I decided to to solid food. It was I was literally like a little research geek in a lab making up all my own wonderful drinks to replace my prescription drinks. That's when I started to um, really research how to get the gastric system being a little bit more on your side mm. with the involvement of meditation and looking at gut bacteria. So it was, yeah, probably three, four if not yeah. six years, because it's a sort of ongoing process. Sure. Mm. Wow. But that's, yeah, and obviously everyone would have a different um, story. But I think that's good to know. Like you say, it's not an overnight fix, is it? It's hard work. Yeah. And, and you know, for your listeners, obviously it's not for everybody because I am quite tenacious. <laughs> and, you know, not saying that other people aren't in that position, but I am a research geek and I am a really, like, determined. So, it's not for everybody and you just have to be guided. I was very lucky to have such a supportive dietitian and gastro team. So, yeah. yeah. So at that time you were, you weren't a nutritionist yourself or were you? I know. Oh, no. wow. Okay. And it really prompted. So I had done uh, my actual academic to that point was design. And then I did a master's in design research for disability and lifestyle. So I always had an interest in dysfunction, yeah. if you like, which I think helped me research, but mm. it was that, you know, I'd been researching so much and discussing things with medics and dietitians. And that's when I was like, I want to study it and help other people. So obviously, it's four years study. So it took a long time before I was in the position to help people. But wow. it's really what sparked my desire. Yeah, that always fascinates me. It's people who have this, their issues themselves, and they, that becomes their passion. And they really want to go out and help other people. Um, I think all the guests I've had on the on the show who have uh, this condition um, have very similar stories. Something happened to us, and we we just need to we fix it for ourselves, and then we want to help other people. Um, yeah, absolutely. And also, when we've maybe found a route that hasn't been on offer because we've almost developed our own way, it, yeah. it gives us gumption, doesn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, and so actually we covered my next question was, did living with this condition influence your career choice? So yes, it did, <laughs> big time. Yes, um, and also because without finding a sort of solution to my nutrition needs, my quality of life, and also if we consider that pot scenario, um, I had to find a solution to nourish my body more. Um, and so for me, it's a way of living. So I sort of, you know, it helps me as well, because the more I research, the more I can uh, base on myself and then other people. Yes, gosh, amazing. So what is just, what is your PhD going to be on or is on? Oh, it's a little dragging my feet somewhat because COVID <laughs> interrupted a little bit. Yeah. And every time I try and really nail my topic, I sort of think, oh, but. So I'm trying to layer up, but specifically, I want it to be about the lifestyle medicine approach to help gastroparietis because mm -hmm. um, we know, you know, there's much more than just the food we put in that influences our gut. So I want it to be gastroparietis, hypermobility focused, but uh, funding yet to be decided. So it's a little mm -hmm. ask me in two, three months. <laughs> OK, well, very valuable research. Absolutely, though. Very, I look forward to reading that when it's when it's ready. Um, so, you're a um, lifestyle medicine practitioner, and we talked about the functional medicine model. So, what is that? What does that mean? So, functional medicine model um, looks really at like systems biology, and it's patient centred. So, you're sort of taking the whole person into consideration. So, yes, you've got those bodily systems like. Um, immune health, cardiovascular, autonomic, but you also take into consideration mind-body connections, relationships, exercise, movement, um, so that you look to the whole person and you really see the whole person. If you were to sort of Google functional medicine in the purest sense, it's sort of root cause medicine. I don't go that far, although that is my training because I'm working within EDS and we just don't know the root cause. And I think it would be misleading to people to say we can. So from, that is what functional medicine is, but from the way I apply it, it's just broadly looking at the person rather than just their sort of diagnosis and then their symptoms. For example, if someone comes with say a POTS directed um, goal, yeah. actually we might be looking at gastro, we might be looking at nervous system, we might just be looking at the circadian rhythm. So that's, in a nutshell, what functional medicine model would look like for our client population. Wow. So when come on, someone comes to see you, you go through basically all aspects of their life. Yes, I'm interested in timeline as well, triggering factors potentially. Obviously, you know, this isn't to be confused with onset of disease as in the genetics, because this yeah. is, you know, different but we yes. might look at childhood traumas we might look at accidents we might look at surgeries and particularly because I'm gastro sort of focused I'll be looking at what might have happened to the gastro system along the way to potentially influence where we are now and then we can unpick it to some degree yeah yeah that's fascinating I'm really you know really fascinated in that side of things you know um, I think you might I talked about it before that I got diagnosed with IBS when I was like 12, mm. um, which is crazy being diagnosed with IBS. But it was at the ons that onset was 
you know, at time, a very stressful time in my life when my parents were getting divorced and it was a big mess. And, you, you know, I've always thought that, that that trauma was the trigger of those IBS symptoms. And of course, you know, other things happen in life. But um, yeah, really interesting how there is often a, a, something that happens, right, that will trigger yeah. a lot of these symptoms. So, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. So... When someone comes to see you, what can they expect? What would the, what would you do with them? What do they go through? Yeah, so it actually does depend on the person and where they are and what situation they're in. So I work in a very integrative approach, so multidisciplinary. So what I might do with a client has to fully align with what their medical team is. So it does what their medical team is doing with them. So if someone is under quite acute medical care, but they're safe to work with from my scope of practice, then it's what have your doctors suggested already? And then how can we layer that up? Mm -hmm. If someone is not really under acute care and they come, depends what their goals are, but what they can generally expect is quite a long consultation. <laughs> so an hour and a half, potentially two hours for an initial if someone's very complex. Yeah. Full medical history, um, looking at any tests that they might have had that falls within my scope of practice and just having a really good chat about what their body's showing, you know, what are the symptoms? And then ultimately what's realistic for the client to work on. Everyone has, you know, some people want to change a lot and have, you know, a very uh, forthright approach to, right, okay, I'm going to do this. And other mm -hmm. people slowly, slowly and gentle and everything is right and correct. So there's never one consultation the same to be honest with you. Everyone's yes. so different. Yes. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And do you um, prescribe then supplements or diet, specific diets? So at the end, what, what comes out of the consultation at the end? Sure. So what a client can expect is the end result, like an outcome of our clients will be quite a specific plan personalised to them. Yeah. So it might include dietary changes if they're safe to do so. And it might include supplementation if it's underpinning, particularly if we do have blood results of nutrient deficiencies. Um, of course, we have to be considerate if there's medication involved. And then they can expect some lifestyle recommendations. So specifically in my clinic, I am looking to that sleep. I'm, I'm quite heavy on the circadian rhythm for that nervous system. So mm -hmm. we might look to see how that sleep-wake cycle might be more supportive. Mm -hmm. um, also an outcome might be if they haven't already discovered other modalities, a signpost to like people like yourself, um, you know, just to support their care. And... Yeah. Yes, I do. Well, I suggest supplements. I wouldn't say I prescribe, you know, I'm yeah. not a doctor, but yes, I yeah. absolutely do um, suggest supplementation that is backed on research for the symptom that we're supporting. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And then you'll obviously do like follow-up consultations, I guess. Is yes. That, yeah. Yeah, I work in a way that I like quite close contact with my clients because with EDS, you know, hypermobility, particularly the gut, things can go up and down quite quickly. Yes. So, Generally, follow-ups are four to six weeks, but it depends. If someone wants to see me earlier, they can. If they're perfectly safe and just trotting on nicely to make slow changes, it can be longer. 
Um, but I have a message system. So I, I use a virtual sort of clinic portal where everyone can message. And it's quite often that I might get a message saying, I've had a flare of whatever. I've seen my doctor, they've prescribed X, Y, and Z. And so I need to say, let's stop our supplements for safety because of that yeah. drug interaction. So yeah, yeah. I, I quite like that personal, because it's hard to make changes, isn't it? It's really um, yeah. gravitas of realizing to make changes, especially if you're tired and in pain. So Absolutely. not hand-holding per se, but it's a little like how you work with people. It's that support there for them. Absolutely. It's so important as well because, you know, we know that people with our condition have potentially not had the support like that that maybe they need. And that can, be, that can make so much difference, feeling that you're not alone and somebody is actually in your corner for you. Um, so, yeah, very, very valuable. Um, so in very simple terms, when, we, when you live with a condition like EDS, why is looking after our nutrition so important for managing the symptoms of EDS? Mm, well, your nutrients are your building blocks. And so having appropriate sort of nutritional intake and optimal levels of nutrients in the body. Um, and when we talk about nutrients, we're talking about, yes, your vitamins, but also your minerals and nutrients as proteins as your building blocks. So your amino acids it really just supports your body to do all of the lovely functions it has to do. So with EDS, we, we're mindful of the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the autonomic, so forth and so forth. And actually just being deficient in a key nutrient, say a B12 or, excuse me, a zinc can really have sort of snowball ramifications uh, for somebody. So we know that that interaction with all the bodily systems and nutrients you put in your body, but then, um, you know, we need to then consider are you absorbing sort of the nutrients? So this is why we need to make sure that nutrients are being absorbed well and used well by the body, not just being taken so it's not just a yes. case of only intake yes okay and so you would analyze all of that would you yeah so in yeah. my practice we have to bear in mind quite a lot of people come to clinic that have already seen medical doctors some have already been through the dietitian routes in the uk so they yeah. might already have a plethora of test results if there's anything that's really relevant and is going to be a measurable, actionable result, then we can do some more testing in clinic. But yeah, I routinely want, I, I'm quite a dig in it. I want nutrient levels. I don't want to guess that you need more B6. I want to know what's currently active in your body. Yeah, yeah. amazing. That's fascinating. Um, and what are there sort of common symptoms that you might be seeing with EDS patients, clients? that people are coming to you with yeah well in my clinic because I'm sort of gut specialist um it's sort of it's really hard to say what the common aspects are because we have to unpick what are the symptoms of EDS and what are just a human that has issues yes yeah <laughs> there's constipation is very high up there a lot of feeling of bloating a feeling of fullness a lot of reflux and a lot of anxiety actually um, mm. which, as you know, is so multifaceted. Uh, yeah. Is it actually a symptom of EDS or is it a manifestation? Because it's all just an awful lot to cope with. Yes, exactly. You don't, you don't know what kind comes first, do you? I, I, I remember when Professor Graham, Rodney Graham, came to one of my training courses um, as, a, as a participant 
um, this topic came up because um, I cover it on the course. And I said, you know, is it because of the EDS or is it because of how we were, how we've been kind of treated and the anxiety around having this condition? And he kind of just smiled and didn't comment. So it was like, okay, that kind of says everything. We don't, yeah. we don't yeah. really know. So, um, and I think it's important that if obviously there is red flags over anxiety, that someone does see their appropriate medical professional. Um, but, you know, it's a consideration. Yeah. And then, of course, fatigue. There's so much fatigue as well, yes. which, again, yes. is more faceted, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, very, again, very simple question. Um, and um, yeah, apologies for the simple question, but fatigue, talking of fatigue, nutrition and fatigue. Can we improve our fatigue with nutrition? Well, that's such a big question. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, on the broad, the broad sense, I believe any any aspect of a condition can be improved. That's what I truly, truly do, do believe. But whether it can be fully just because of nutrition, I think we need to be careful to make that conclusion. Mm -hmm. There's no evidence of that. And when we look at the what contributes to someone's fatigue, is it that they're not getting good sleep? Mm -hmm. Is it yeah. that they're not able to move well and, you know, that onward cycle for their lymphatic system? And, you know, is it that they've got POTS? Is it that the fatigue is driven from more of a mental sort of capacity? Yeah. Are they just exhausted with the stress? Um, so, yes, many yes. aspects like that. So we can't be so conclusive. Yes. However, of course, with fatigue, we look at your B vitamins, your iron, what your gut's doing. Are you, excuse my crass language, but are you pooping every day? Because yeah. it really can contribute to fatigue if you're not evacuating well. So yes, yeah. so it's not a simple answer to the question. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it's a really good point. It is so multi-layered, isn't it, fatigue? And it's nice actually to hear, it's really nice to hear someone just say, actually, we can't give a definitive answer because it has got so many different aspects to it. That's, yeah. I actually find that quite refreshing. So, yeah, thank you. But of course, good nutrition isn't going to hurt your fatigue levels, is it? If we're right. eating well, it's not certainly not going to be doing us any harm. So, exactly. And this is where the personalised approach comes in, because it is so dependent on what's going on for you. So yeah. in clinic, if we have that thorough, thorough assessment, we are likely after an hour and a half of, you know, delving in, we're likely to be able to conclude what it might be for you and looking at the diet. And if potentially your diet has moved far from what might be optimal, then of course, that's a good, yeah. good place to start. Yeah. 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 Very good. Um, so gut microbiome. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so what are they and why are they important? Um, and you know, why is it important that we keep them in balance? People talk about having a balance, don't they? But what does that mean? They do. Well, this is my geeky topic. I could talk. For <laughs> oh, good. Good. You know, uh, for everyone, you know, just for the clarity, we have microbiomes in many areas. You know, we have uh, oral, vaginal, and then our gut. And it's literally a colony of bacteria, fungi, yeasts, and other bacterials. And, you know, to, to make it a short, succinct answer for you, the importance is, is that so many functions aside from what happens with your gut microbiome. So there's immune functions, metabolic pathways, gut brain axis, so it can directly influence what might be going on for you in terms of mood, anxiety, mental health. 
-hmm. And there's so many complex interactions with your gut bacteria, digesting your food, metabolizing and sort of absorbing and using your nutrients. Um, and this whole sort of term of good bacteria is, you know, yes, we have a lot of helpful bacteria. So I prefer the word beneficial. And we mm -hmm. do naturally have pathogenetic, so potentially not so helpful bacteria. And it's about making sure that our good guys crowd out the potentially not so helpful bacteria. Um, mm -hmm. So there's so many studies going on that we're getting great evidence to show the importance of looking after our microbiome. But we, we know, you know, so little about our gut microbiome. You know, it weighs about two kilograms, so it's like immense. Wow. So Gosh, is it? Yeah. Two kilograms. It's a huge colony. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there. So we can't potentially say we know everything. And obviously what we know about the gut microbiome hasn't specifically been studied in EDS. So... We have to, you know, take what we know in science and apply it well. Yes. But there's so many interactions that are at play and why looking after our gut microbiome is just sort of so multifaceted. Um, mm. And to add on to that, it's not just about what you eat either. It's stress, sleep can really positively impact your bacteria. So your sort of beneficial guys, if you like. There's wow. so many things will potentially go into taking care of your microbiome. Okay, so that comes back to your whole philosophy then of having looking at the whole person. It's not just about taking some probiotics and um, <laughs> you know, our gut brain axis. We you know look to the vagal nerve, the enteric mm -hmm. nervous system, and you know like the work you do, the amazing breath work can really positively impact our bacteria potentially more than taking a probiotic supplement if the probiotic supplement isn't sort of strain specific for the individual. So, yes, that's true, isn't it? And I hear often, because I take a probiotic, but I, I remember, I think it was um, a gastroenterologist, I think, told me that you should change them every so often so you don't get used to the one type of probiotic. You're supposed to mix them up. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Mm. And also it's, you know, considering what a probiotic is, so they're generally the big families like lactobacillus or bifidobacterium. Um, you know, and it's whether does someone need more lactobacillus? So if you're taking a lactobacillus dominant product, do you need that? Or is it maybe that you need, you know, more bifido? And also it's really, really important to look at what's going on for that person in their gut symptomology. Are you diarrhea predominant or are you more constipated? Is your transit particularly fast or is your transit particularly slow in terms of motility? Mm -hmm. um, are you quite a sort of high nervous energy type person or are you a fairly slow sleep all day person? All of these things are really relevant in choosing the probiotic. But for me, the prebiotics that feed your bacteria. So you've got pro that goes in, pre that feeds. And for me, I'm far more interested in the prebiotics. So we can supplement and then we can also have food sources. Um, and then obviously if we take care of that prebiotic action, then that feeds our probiotic bacteria to a degree. Um, yeah. so it's, it's so, so much more complex than just taking <laughs> a probiotic. Yes, yes. Oh, wow, amazing. Um, so, I mean, you talked about it. What steps can we take to improve the gut microbiome? Mm. 
So we thought of, if we think about a stool with its different legs, we want to look at the food going in. We mm. want to sort of make sure the food's coming out well, <laughs> you know, so yeah. we're, we're yeah. having five stalls every day or what's normal for you. So yeah. it's food in, it's hydration, but it's stress and it's sleep as well. So we know that if you have a lot of stress, it can have a negative impact. If we're not sleeping at a very good time, like if you're not going to bed till say two, three in the morning, mm. um, that you know gut brain connection via the vagal nerve activity, sleep is so important for our gut and our microbiome. So it's food, sleep and stress. Um, sleep and stress. Okay. So those are, that's, that's uh, three easy things, isn't it? To think about food, sleep and stress. Yeah. I mean, not easy. I mean, it's not easy to deal with all those things, but it's nice three things to remember that we should be aware of. Yes. And for some people that, you know, some clients feel very overwhelmed with what's going on for them. And yeah. they think that sticking to a so-called strict diet and having to take supplements is, is just too much for them. Everyone can do something to improve their health. So even if it is engaging in some breathing exercises and trying to fall asleep by 10 p.m., it sounds simple. I know it's, you know, not achievable for all, but you'll be really doing your whole body quite a lot of benefit in just doing yeah. these simple lifestyle medicines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very interesting. Um, now, you mentioned in the bio um, about your high house of hypermobility. Yes. So, so you've been on top house. Yes. Yeah. So you've been a wonderful guest speaker, haven't you? I've really enjoyed having you on. Oh, yes. I really enjoy it. I, you, you were my first um, visit to Clubhouse. And those of you who don't know what Clubhouse is, it's an app um, where basically you can join. It's all free and you just join and listen to people's conversations and you can come up and chat, can't you, and give your opinions and ask questions. Um, but yeah, so yes, tell us about what you're doing on Clubhouse. Yes, so before the, you know, sit situation <laughs> I mm -hmm. had um, in-person and Zoom meetings for people wanting a bit of non-clinical nutrition and lifestyle support wow. and during the lockdown it was all on Zoom um, and then Clubhouse kind of came around so I sort of ventured onto Clubhouse and I found it a really good international global platform to have a good discussion and answer people's questions so yeah. it's worked quite well and I try to um, give a, a very broad uh, scope of conversation and bring in other specialists like yourself and we've had Dr Bluestein in and Jenny Miller, Jennifer Miller should I say, um, and various other specialists. Um, and I'm looking actually to the new year of to going, I've had lots of people say that can I record the sessions because they can't make it and so mm -hmm. I'm potentially going to restructure the platform but House of Hypermobility is effectively a support platform where we can maybe signpost towards nutrition, but I don't give advice obviously outside clinic. Yeah. Um, because if we start recording sessions, then that's people's confidentiality. So I'm going to rework potentially how to deliver it going forward. Um, yes. yes, so at this stage, I'm not too sure how to answer it because it's in a <laughs> change up session. Oh, but you were, so at the moment though, you do it like twice a week, I think, don't you? Don't you do a. So it one was very nutrition focused and one is more lifestyle focused. Is that right? Right, yeah. So we've had Mondays as being that lifestyle medicine discussion. And I've had, you know, yourself talking about movement, um, other different modalities than what I'm qualified to speak about. And then Wednesdays is very nutrition specified. 
So we've yeah. done really good talks on hydration, just the you know simples of how to hydrate well. Others yes. on collagen intake and the questions about supplementation. Had you know carbohydrates. We've had gut microbiome. Yeah. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoy it actually because I love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's very, very informative and you're a great host, actually. So um, really good. So um, if anyone's listening today and they're thinking, oh, well, I'm having problems and, you know, and they really don't know where to start. They don't really know what to do. What advice would you give someone who's literally knows they don't feel quite right, but they don't know what to do about it? Yeah, well, we have to sort of lead into that with saying if you've got symptoms that are disturbing for you you must speak to obviously your doctor first yeah. um, if it's gastro predominant then from my side I'd like to make sure you're nice and safe so a gastroenterologist has reviewed you make sure that there's nothing going on for you um, and the same for pots etc etc but if you're if you've seen a doctor you're lovely and safe then it's just to have a discussion about what might work uh, for the yeah. individual and then book in for consultation um, and take it from there, really. I think for anyone listening to know that there is a lot of support out there. Um, you know, I am very aware of being in private practice like yourself, that we want to make things accessible. So um, that's why I launched the Hyper sorry, House of Hypermobility, so yeah. that it's a, a free platform for entry point direction, yes. if you like. Yeah. So if anyone is, you know, thinking they don't know what to do, they're, they're just not feeling comfortable, they're not feeling well, then just reach out, um, just start with an email and just say, yeah. can we talk? That's always yeah. the best starting point, isn't it? Just talk. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, very good. Very good advice. But yeah, as you say, always sort of get checked out by a medical professional, especially if you've got new symptoms that are worrying you. Um, yeah. Really important. Um, so yes, how do people find out more about you? You're on social media. Uh, how can they get in touch? I am. So I'm not. I'm not one of these really active social media. <laughs> I'm so busy in clinic. <laughs> um, but Instagram is Lorna Ryan Health. Yeah. Uh, my website is Lorna Ryan Health. My email is Lorna at Lorna Ryan Health. And then on Clubhouse is House of Hypermobility and you can just go on and join. And there's message uh, platforms, obviously, on all of those links. Yeah. Very good. So that's nice and easy. Lorna Ryan Health. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. Um, so, yes, just Google and you will, I'm sure, find, find Lorna on one of those platforms. Um, oh, thank you so much for your time. It's um, I, I, you have so much knowledge about this um, topic. I think um, we could talk for hours and really go deep into so much of this, but thank you. It was, um, it was nice to just get an overview of what, what you do and um, how you're working with obviously the EDS community and helping, helping them. So thank you so much. It was, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, if, if you've got questions or you want to make a comment, you can leave them in the comment box below and I will make sure Lorna gets those as well if there are any questions that um, she can answer for you. But um, otherwise, please do get in touch directly with Lorna and, and I'm sure she will um, get back to you. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, really, really fascinating. And until next time, keep moving. <laughs>